absolutely delighted to welcome Cahal McCauley here today for this talk. Um, Cahal has been the University Librarian at Maynooth University since 2008 and previously he had roles in the UCD Library and before that very interestingly I thought um, in the Accounts and uh, Management Consultants um, FGS uh, or, or we would know them as Grant Thornton. Cahill oversaw the design and the delivery of a 20 million library extension which was officially opened in 2013. I don't know if anybody else has library envy when they hear that. Um, he's vice president and council member of the LAI, the Library Association of Ireland and really a very um, active person in the library community also involved in IUALG, Connell and IFLA which is a wonderful service to the community. So I'm really delighted um, to welcome Cahill to tell us about the tr transformative impact of the new library building at Maynooth University. Thanks, Cahill. Dave Glare, August Tom Fierce-Sosta, Van Salerlan Ashunton, the Heron, August Fierbeek, the Sandra, Asangura. I'm delighted to be here and and very grateful to Sandra for the invitation to speak to today about this project. Before I start, I suppose I want to tell a little story about the building. I remember when, it, when first of all, I was appointed to this role. Uh, I remember uh, people knew that a big part of the role, and it dominated the role for the first five years, was going to be the um, delivery of the new extension. And a former colleague said to me, what do you know about building? And uh, I said, I don't know very much at all, really. I can barely wire a plug. But I know a lot about libraries. At that stage, I had worked in libraries for about 15 years. And um, I knew, and it turned out to be the case, there'd be a wonderful team around me, both of librarians, but also of um, design professionals, architects, electrical engineers, all sorts of contributors who you know, would make the project a success. But I want to pay tribute to those, some of those at the start because it was really a team effort. In particular, um, my colleague Hugh Murphy, who still works at Maynooth University, was a key member of the team, but also Mary Antonessa, who's now moved on to of libraries at um, Carlo IT, um, to Sinjin Hanley, who's the architect from um, Scott Talon Walker, who, who uh, both was the architect for the building but also led the design team, and um, all of the campus planning development office at Maynooth University. But in particular, my colleague Helen Fallon, who actually had nothing got to do with the library building, but that was just as important because we made a conscious decision she was going to step back from the project and essentially um, keep the show on the road while myself, Mary and Hugh, as it was at the time, uh, really had to dedicate about three years of our life to the building, and it was a very, very significant um, undertaking. So a lot of what I'm going to talk about really was you know, delivered by, um, with the help of all of those people that I've mentioned, and many others I couldn't mention everybody involved. Um, I want to say a little bit about Maynooth University before I go get into the building itself, both to tell you about it in case you don't know about what a wonderful place it is, but also because it's very important in my view that the institutional context informs um, uh, your building project. So as I'll say later on, we did many site visits and research and so on, but there was no one library we wanted to pick up and say, we're just going to drop this in Maynooth and that's it, the library will be right. We had to shape it to fit our institutional context. So Maynooth University, uh, formerly National University of Ireland, Maynooth, was founded in 1997, but its roots, of course, go back to 1795 at the foundation of um, St. Patrick's College in Maynooth. And both institutions continue to share the campus. Um, the library is a shared service. I report um, to 
to senior members in both in both organisations. I have two library committees and so on. So it's very much a close interface between the two institutions. It's very important from our point of view that uh, both institutions were happy with the outcome of the project, although it was led by by, uh, by Maynooth University. Just as important, uh, Maynooth is a town of about 15,000 people, and at full capacity, the university probably has close to that in terms of staff, students, and uh, with St. Patrick's College as well. So we're quite, a, we're quite a, a modest university in European terms, but relative to the size of our host town, if you like, we're, we, you know, we're, we're, we're a very, very large both employer, but also generator of traffic within the town. And a key part of the university strategy is that the town and gown are in harmony, as we call it, and they were seen as a, the library is seen as a key enabler of that, um, of that uh, community engagement. Um, so that's a very important institutional context uh, kind of behind the the project. Um, in terms of the rationale for the new, for the new library, I was just talking to uh, Margaret and Sandra there before we got going, and I was saying, you know, um, this project had been on in the pipeline for quite some time. Um, Maynooth University had grown substantially between 1984 and 2007. The student numbers grew by 400%, and they continue. We continue to be Ireland's uh, fastest-growing university, um, with. Uh, our largest ever fresher cohort coming into September. So next couple of weeks, over 3,000 students will, co will come to Maynooth. Um, when I would have known Maynooth originally in the 80s, there were probably about 2,000 students in total. And now first year alone, we'll have somewhere north of 3,000. So huge inst uh, institutional growth. Also, um, there were already some long-standing concerns around the time this project had been looked at in the, in, in, in the mid, mid to late 90s about the existing library. And I put up this image to show you. This is a clip from the RT archives that happened to crop up a couple, of, a couple of years ago from when the new library in 1984 was opened by President Hillary to great fanfare. It was the bees and knees and the cat's pajamas libraries. But 10 years later, there were already serious concerns about its ability to meet future needs. It predated the laptop, it predated Wi-Fi, and also because of the nature and construction um, techniques at the time, it was, it was very inflexible. And I'm going to return to some of those points later on. So we, so we did need to address some structural issues with the building. But much more importantly, the third point there, we didn't, um, given that this was going to be a very significant 20 million euro project, we didn't feel it was enough for us just to deliver a nice, attractive space. We wanted to use this project as a catalyst for all sorts of other change, uh, internal and external to the library, as an institution and also as a library. And again, I'm going to talk a little bit about that. And very important, we wanted to use this project as an opportunity to remove some long-standing lit literal and metaphorical barriers in terms of um, those of you who had the pleasure of being out in the old library, the minute you stepped in the door, there was a security point. Um, in fact, until quite recently, um, it was actually manned by by um, uniformed security staff, and you weren't allowed to bring your bags in and so on. But also, um, getting into the campus was quite difficult. It was quite enclosed. And of course, this all dates back to our heritage as a seminary and so on. But we wanted to address all those issues as well as part of the project. So some of these issues weren't really library-related. They're part, I think, of the overall um, evolution of Maynooth as, a, as an institution. Um, we did, as you would expect, I suppose, from librarians, did an awful lot of research and consultation. Um, very widespread, both in terms of the breadth of the people we spoke to, 
but also in terms of the different methods we adopted. So we spoke to all of the um, on-campus stakeholders you might expect, staff, students and researchers and others, but also, for example, we made a presentation to the local community council, going back to our close synergy with the town, and we did an awful lot of site visits both uh, in, the, in, in, in the UK, but also in North America, Canada and, and, and the USA. And, and again, that was not what I was controversial. This is all happening uh, in 2009 when the recession is really taking a grip, and I remember the bursar being very concerned at the thought of this junket off to the US because I think the previous week there'd been a major story in the Sunday Independent about uh, uh, a government minister who took a limousine from one terminal to another in Heathrow and he was terrified that you know, we're, we're, this excess that we were all being accused of would be treated. But my argument, which forcibly won through, was we were going to spend about €10,000 on these site visits for a €20 million Euro project and it was a useful investment and it really did pay off. So those site visits informed uh, uh, our research and also the consultations. The other thing about the consultations, I have to say, is they were very, very consistent. So despite all the methods we used, focus groups, surveys, individual interviews, graffiti walls, um, these were the areas that you see on the screen that really came up under the different categories. So we're very surprised, frankly, that the number one concern of students actually was how green was the building going to be. This was going to be a 6,000 square metre building, making the library in total 10,000 square metres, and we were very concerned about the environmental impact of that building. Um, slightly contradictory, the next point they were very worried about was electrical sockets. <laughs> okay? So we know, anecdotally, um, your average student has about three devices, they want to power charge them all the time and so on, and by the time we started this project, because of the nature of the old building, predating all this technology, we had Facebook groups about there not being enough sockets and all the rest of it, we had very creative approaches by students in terms of running um, extension leads and all sorts of places where they shouldn't have put them and all the rest of it, so it was really something we need to address. Very equally importantly, we wanted to make sure that the faculty, the staff of the university were engaged and they really wanted some space for themselves, they wanted an exhibitions area and the fourth one then a very important non-timetable space. One of the things this project was trying to do, and it is a struggle and I'll come back to this later on, is address some campus-wide issues. So because we're growing so quickly, space is at a premium and particularly then if you have a sort of a non-standard event taking place, there was actually nowhere to have it or at least nowhere easy to have it. So they were looking for us to try to, 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 to meet that and we'll talk more about that later on. And then equally the wider community, if you've been out to Maynooth, the library is on the old N4, the old Galway Road, it's quite a prominent location at the nexus between what we call the North and South Campus. We had to interfere with the a public road to uh, facilitate the project. We did lower a bridge, uh, take down a bridge and so on. So it was very important the community felt that it was giving something back to the town um, and wasn't just a kind of a case of an ivory tower further reinforcing some uh, perception of, of a kind of elite institution on the edge of town. So the cafe area is public accessible, the best value Starbucks in, in Ireland, and the exhibitions area with community space, and it's a welcoming building, again, far removed from the, from the, from, from the, uh, the old building. Very important from my point of view, I guess, as librarian is, to this day I still draw on this consultation exercise. So all the effort we put in and so on was very much worth it because still to this day people say, why is it this way or why did you do that or why did you decide to do that? It's not that we're not willing to change and alter uh, what we did, but it gives people an understanding of why it is the way it was because based on the feedback, this was the issue we were trying to address. This was the, the problem we were trying to solve. All of that feedback and research informed the architectural vision which was to create a world-class library facility in the heart of a historic campus setting, so it had to be sympathetic to the fact that some of the buildings did date from the uh, 18th century. Um, 
it wants to be bright, naturally ventilated and um, environmentally friendly, which is very important from the students from the feedback. And this is a quotation from, this, from the architect Sinjin, whose heart I think I broke, about the librarian mantra he started to call it, keep it flexible, because what we really had a difficulty with the old library was how inflexible it was and how difficult any changes were. But also, I have to say, the recession did loom large in our thinking. This is all happening 2009, 2010. Um, the prospect of having such a large amount of money and such a big project again seemed very, very remote. So we had to get it right, and we had to get it right in a way that we meant that relatively inexpensively in the future we could, we could change it as you know, unforeseen uh, technologies and so on. Same way that, as I said, Wi-Fi and laptops came shortly after the 84 building and weren't, weren't reflected in that at all. So it's a, it is a very flexible building, false floors and all the kind of things that you would expect to enable us to do that. Um, the consultations and the visions led to this, these bubble diagrams that you see on the left-hand side of the slide, which, in a, which we then workshopped further with researchers and students and others to work out what proximities would make sense, what space should be allowed for different activities, and very importantly, unfortunately, even when you do have such a large amount of money in such a large building, what compromises we're going to make. Because um, despite all the space and all the money, we, we couldn't do everything we wanted to do, and we couldn't make things as big as we'd like them to be. Classic example I was point to is our special collection store. Um, a, a great win from the project was we, for the first time we have a uh, BS5454 store, um, which for non-librarians is a, a very safe store. Um, but it's smaller than we'd like it to have been, but it was very expensive to build it. And also, obviously, the more that space you have, the less seating space you have, and all these different conflicting priorities. So we use these bubble diagrams to um, uh, further consult um, uh, stakeholders and then they in turn led to the architectural plans and in turn the, um, uh, the, the, the building as it was constructed. These other images show some of the green features I talked about, how important that was to students. So um, the building has a seeded roof to capture rainfall, and we use uh, grey water for, um, for appropriate activities. Uh, the, uh, the smart lighting and other technology throughout the building to manage our power consumption. And the um, twin wall facade, which gives this unusual sort of um, glasshouse type effect is to do with the fact that the building is naturally ventilated and um, that's again to reduce power consumption and to make it uh, more eco-friendly. So that's some of the some of the technologies there to address that particular concern. And before I get into the, the impact of the building, just some, just some details about it. So it did, I mean, it led to a 216 percent increase in, in CG and that was a key requirement of the university and of the HEA who were the key funders. Um, dramatic increase in space and in shelving, I'm going to talk about that in a while because books are and were and still are important to us in our project. Um, it's been very successful in terms of we experience consistent rise in footfall in the library and but also online. The building has won a number of awards already and uh, we were finalists last year in the Scandal Live Design Award, um, which again was a great, uh, great kudos for us. Uh, and we have hosted more than 12 international visits from the US, Russia, the Netherlands and the UK, people coming to see the building and try to learn from it in the way that we did from them and many national visits also. Um, and we're very happy to host those, by the way, because we learned so much from our visits, as I said, uh, as I said a little while ago. Um, we also put a lot of effort into tracking the sentiment around the building. These are some social media from around the time the building opened, and it's a very small sip of it, but you can see the flavour of it. But very important for those of you who are familiar with these awful graphs in the bottom right-hand side, they're LibQual summaries. And LibQual is a standardised testing tool that we use about every two years or so in Maynooth. And uh, we deliberately ran one in 2010 um, 
before the new building was uh, was built, and you'll see the, the the second one in from the right on the 2010 graph is the library space. So that line that's below outside the grey box. That basically is bad news. That means you've failed to, to, to reach the minimum um, expected level from your users. And in fact, that line is so far below the grey box that even though the other two are just about inside, our overall result in the green box um, is outside the acceptable level of service. Whereas you can see in green space has actually a disproportionate effect. It's so as well as pulling everything else up, the overall score is well back within the box, and that's exactly where you want to be. So that very, very, was a very, very heartening outcome of the process for us. And also very importantly, um, in the university sector, every five years we go through a quality review where a panel of external internal experts essentially run the rule over your library. And um, in 2015, which was the uh, quality review that took place just after the delivery of the building, um, the quotation in relation to the building was that it was a resounding success, and two eminent UK librarians would have chaired that panel. So again, that was very heartening to get that sort of objective external feedback about the project so soon after it was delivered. Um, I suppose, though, in some ways, you would expect, um, when, you, when you spend 20 million euros and you put about three years of your life into something, that it is going to be nice, it's going to be bigger, and the users are going to like it. But did it really achieve that transformative impact we wanted to go beyond it just being a space project? And I'm going to look at that now under these different headings to try and assess that and um, to demonstrate uh, that indeed it did. And our challenge now actually is for to continue to have that impact and to continue to deliver that return to the university and indeed to, to, to the library. So the first thing, I guess, is in relation to um, the learning environments. In the old library, there really only was, was one type of seating, um, and we had one group study room, which um, was also the only meeting room in the building, so it was totally o o overbooked and overused and all the rest of it. Um, even though we know at this stage that people like to learn in different ways, different individuals have different learning styles, but also at times the same individual wants to learn in different ways. So a very common example we would see, for example, around exam time is people go upstairs and they will really, you know, eat the books for about six or seven hours, and then they'll discover, no, there's this one issue I can't get my head around, this one problem I can't solve, this one equation I can't understand. So they want to go somewhere where they can talk to a peer and say, listen, can, I, can you help me with this and I'll help you with that? And we didn't have the space to cater for that kind of behavior. But now we do. We cater for about seven different learning styles, from the noisy and the social truth to the solo and the silent. And in the old library, you sat more or less where you got a seat. By the end of, the, of, of, of its life, we were far too small. So you, you, you were lucky if you got a seat. Now in the new library, you can choose where you sit depending on the kind of work you want to do and essentially the kind of mood you're in. And so people have choice around where they sit and how they work. Um, also, very important is that it's very easy to change. So a good example is that about a year into it, we were not happy with the way we were delivering power in some of the flexible spaces. We have to change the power distribution method over a weekend, whereas in the past it probably would have been a two or three month construction project requiring, you know, chiseling the floors and all that kind of stuff. Um, and very importantly, from the evaluation understanding point, we're always monitoring and learning about how the learning environments are used and then change it as required. Space is too valuable and still too much of a premium, you know, to let things um, just kind of uh, glide along. So a good example of that is we do have a dedicated postgraduate room, but we have raised and lowered the uh, criteria for using it depending on the level of usage that we're seeing because we want to make sure it gets maximum, uh, it delivers maximum benefit to the campus community. Um, the next area was the whole area of collections. This is an interesting one because it kind of divides libraries, and particularly in academic libraries, where some, some disciplines in particular, there will be a big move to E, um, but in others, not so much. 
and it was very interesting to us. A lot, an awful lot of North American projects um, we would have visited in you know in '09. Um, they were getting rid of all the books. They're either putting them into these retrieval robots, or they were putting them into um, mobile storage, often in the basement, and would expect students to go down and get them from there. Now. That wasn't going to work for us because at the moment, even now, we can only get you an ebook about 20% of the time in academic textbooks, um, and that falls far lower than that in certain disciplines. But also, I, uh, we felt it was a cultural issue in terms of we were struck during our visits to the American libraries how patient the American students were. They would happily wait for one person to access the, uh, the mobile shelving and then have to maybe close up 10, 15 rows of it for someone else to get their book. And we really want to make reading as easy as possible for our students. We didn't want to create that kind of barrier for them. So we didn't go for that approach. We did put in mobile shelving for about 120,000 items, but we didn't, um, we didn't uh, you know, do wholesale removal of the book. But having said that, we did reassess the collection. We didn't want to just move it in, uh, lock, stock and barrel as it was into the, into the new library. We undertook a project and actually dedicated a staff member to, to that project for about three years. Uh, her name is Elizabeth Murphy and she did a textbook um, uh, uh, stock deselection project, I guess we would call it, and has written a wonderful article on this actually in the, in the professional literature if you want to follow up about it, where she consulted with the academic colleagues, she came up with very clear criteria for what she's about to do, and then she moved systematically through each faculty, which meant that the books that we did bring with us were the ones that were most relevant or that met her criteria. We also had to use um, this opportunity is how we're going to reconfigure our collection over the 10,000 square meters rather than the 4,000 square meters that was there beforehand. Because if you were watching, you would have seen in the uh, feedback from, from faculty, some of them were very worried that their discipline would be, as they saw, saw it be ghettoized and left in the whole building. They wanted it spread throughout the old and the new. And again, that was one of the, the, the bits of the projects that my colleague Hugh Murphy had to undertake was to negotiate with the academic community how the collection would be laid out. So everyone felt, essentially everyone was getting a fair crack of the whip and that the collections made were also in a lot or from a librarian's point of view, it's very important, but also that it was fair in terms of the spread across. The would at the kind of workshop stage, some 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 elements of the stakeholder community were pushing for there be no books in the new library to use the old library completely as the book depository, and the new library then could be cleared for all sorts of um, exciting spaces. But um, we very much wanted, and the majority of feedback was, that no books would form an integral part of the new library and would, and, would, and, would, and would be part of how the two buildings were joined together, because making the two buildings work together was a big part of, the, of our project as well. Um, I mentioned already in terms of the unique and distinctive collections, a big win for us in the project was the delivery of this new store, but also a new reading room to consult the material and better uh, facilities for making the collection accessible and displaying it, ex uh, exhibits and so on. And that's been a, a, a huge part of the um, success of the building, but also very important in terms of this uh, town and gown um, strategy that I spoke about in relation to university. A very important issue which the building had a big impact on was library staff. And this is often uh, forgotten about. I wrote a, a review re uh, a couple of years ago of um, a book about library buildings and it struck me that in the whole book there was only one chapter that even mentioned library staff and even then it was kind of quite fleeting. So they're often forgotten about. Now this is for very good reasons, particularly in North America where a lot of building refurbishments and, and development are grant funded. So a wealthy doctor decides to grant fund a medical library in a, in a North American university essentially he's not worried about the library staff, he wants the medical part of the library to be attractive and so on, so there's no money left over for it. Um, but equally as well, I think there is um, such a focus on um, 
on uh, making the building attractive from all the very important things we know from users. But I think we have to remember that library staff are going to spend a lot of their time working in the library and they need appropriate work areas in the library. But we didn't just want to change where they were going to work, we also wanted to change how they worked. And a little bit like the collection, we didn't want to just roll into the new library exactly as we were. He said this is an opportunity to uh, reflect on our structure and reflect how, how, how we're organised. Particularly as part of the project, we had to decamp to a kind of a, one, a, big, a big hall essentially where we ought to work for a while while the construction was going on. And it's very interesting for us to watch how the different sections work together and what made sense actually once they were close together, the different dynamics that, 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 that were generated and could we replicate that on an ongoing basis and also address some long-standing concerns. The previous structure was in place for about 20 years when the rule of thumb would say really most structures can't go beyond 10 years and in fact my own view would be most can't go beyond about five these days. So it's important to review and, 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 and uh, develop these things on a regular basis. So I have to say, not with every staff member's not every staff member's delight. In the middle of the building project, we also undertook an organisation review, and we uh, altered the structure of the of the library to prepare us for moving back into the into into the. Um, into the, the new building and it led to the creation of new departments for example like digital electronic collections where previously the word digital didn't even appear in our organisational chart even though libraries had evolved. So in the same way that the building, um, uh, the need of the building had changed over the 20 years since since 94, uh, equally the profession had moved on and it was important I think that we looked at, at, at our staff. Again. Um, the first three issues probably not hugely surprising that our physical environment, our collections and our staff would be transformed by such a large and significant project. But I think what's particularly welcome and, 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 and important are the next four issues um, because they really I think will, will help the library to achieve its objectives into the future. And the first is the whole issue of strategic position. Um, it was interesting and difficult to overstate how much the project changed our status and, and, and uh, strategic position within Maynooth University. First of all, at a very base level, because it demonstrated our capabilities. So there was always a very positive, and still is a very positive attitude towards Maynooth, towards the library within Maynooth University. But we were seen very much as the library. They look after the books very well, they help us when we need help, and they look after the students, and so on. But when we delivered a complex and expensive project like this, so successfully, it did change people's perceptions of us and gave us opportunities that I don't think we would have, we would have had um, before. Very, very importantly, and this is what I said at the outset, the context is very important. The building wasn't just you know, successful in library terms, it was an enabler of institutional objectives. So things like critical skills, which are key to the president's um, new curriculum, are enabled by the kind of spaces that we have, have uh, provided for group work and um, social, wor social work and all those kind of um, uh, new pedagogies that, that are part of that. The whole town and gown was very well addressed by, by, by the building. Internationalisation, very importantly now, if you work in the academic sector, everybody wants more international students to come to the university. So I think sometimes in libraries we're guilty of just looking down the road or up the road to see you know, where we need to be. Whereas in fact, if you're trying to entice a student from Shanghai or Texas, you need, well, what's their understanding of what a good library is, what a library does for you? It has to inform your design. So uh, going back to our architectural vision, very much it's an international standard library and that's why we've had all these international visitors so on who've come to um, see it. And of course research support, very important again across the academic sector and some of the areas we've provided now in terms of special collections, the maker space and so on, all help with that. Um, the building has also reinforced some of our traditional roles. Um, there's plenty of books in it, they're very well cared for, they're um, accessible and there's plenty of reading spaces, but also we defined our role increasingly as 
uh, content creators and research partners as well as a support service and that's been a very um, pleasing um, impact of the building but also just a very basic level our street prominence it's an attractive building uh, that captures um, Maynooth University's values, so it's used often on, on, on the website. This is the cover of the strategic plan. You see it figures on the top left-hand side there. A lot of our PR, you'll often see when they do the 9 o'clock news interviews and so on, they're interviewed outside the library because of the big Maynooth University logo on the side. Um, we're now a key centre for things like open days, um, second level student recruitment days. Orientation now happens at the library because it's seen as given a positive view of Manute from the from day one and key university events like International Women's Day and um, speakers and so on would often be held speak the talks and so on would often be held in the library because it's seen to represent the values that the university uh, aspires to and and, 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 and wants the, the image we want to project to the uh, to the wider world um, from my point of view personally um, as a proud member of the Library Association of Ireland it's very important the building has enabled us to make a very um, positive professional contribution to the uh, to libraries. It's a new role for us um, and I'm very anxious to do this because we were helped so much by fellow librarians in the development of our project we really wanted to give something back um, so in 2015 I was invited to join the IFLA Library Building and Equipment section and we hosted a mid-year meeting and a seminar that was uh, open to, to the public in, in, in March 2016, it was very successful and as part of that we visited the National Library of Ireland and we're very grateful again to Sandra for that. We've hosted, as I said, many tours but we've also provided physical space for many other library groups like the New Professionals Day, Career Development Group, um, Academic Writing Seminars and UX Seminars and so on. So a space for the profession to interact and to learn and to grow. Um, and really, as I say, to, to, to thank the profession for all that it did for us when we were developing the, the new library. Um, you quite often hear at various talks and so on, the library now being referred to, which by the way is all new since 2013, um, the library as the cultural and intellectual heart of the campus. Um, the number of events hosted in the library has increased by 280% in the, in, in, the, in the last five years. And many of these um, exhibitions and events are uh, a huge number, a huge diversity of them are student-led. And that's very pleasing from our point of view because we don't have the resources to really underpin such a program, but we can work with others who, who, want, to, who want to have an event, who want to, who want to organize something, and then they'll be student-led, which again reinforces other um, missions within the university like the um, critical skills and independent learning and all this kind of thing we want our students uh, to be and we really do have a wonderful um, but very small events and facilities team that make these happen so you can see from that picture the you know the, the, uh, the diversity of the kind of things that happen in the in, in the library and the important role that it plays uh, from a kind of cultural perspective on campus um, it's also be, the library has also become a very important nexus for collaboration on campus and I was interested, you know, to, I used this word neutral space when I've given this talk before and this was debated at IFLA last week by Lorcan Dempsey and others, you know, in the era of fake news and facts mattering, I won't mention who's led to all this, I won't mention his name, but uh, it's like Harry Potter or something, you know, he, he will not be named, um, but it has led to some concern, in, you know, within the profession of, well, are we really neutral? Well, I don't mean, I have to say, I don't mean neutral space in that sense, what I mean is the library doesn't belong to any one faculty or any one student, it's not like most other buildings on campus you have the science building or the engineering building or, or, or whatever um, the library really is open to and welcomes all and ideally actually welcomes where these other parts of the organization are collaborating so we're very happy to to, um, to play that role um, equally we're very anxious to work with the town and gown 
sometimes there might be a perception that we're are we competing with the local public library because so many of our events are community driven um, and involve members of the community but that's not the case at all we work very closely with Kildare public libraries we work very closely with the local library for example um, in the next week or two when all these freshers I mentioned are coming in they will organize a recruitment drive in the foyer of our library so that members of the, um, the student members of the academic library also join the local public library because of course we do different things in different ways and we want to help them to grow their to grow their membership we also would share with our local public library and um, some of our exhibitions and so on they just simply wouldn't have the resources uh, to produce and that we can give them to them because we have them ready-made and, and to go and we just want to get them out as wide an audience as possible very importantly I think and this maybe was um, not as intentional as I, might, as I might like to claim now we, we, we touched on an issue around social glue so we were very surprised to see the feedback come through particularly from faculty about the need for exhibition space and meeting space and so on and I probably heard this best articulated last week at, at IFLA by Aslak Meyer the Norwegian National Librarian who talked about that people are being digitised not unsocialised and that across Norway he was saying you know as shops and pubs and post offices um, are closing that there's never been a greater need for an arena for this for for public debate for um, gossip small talk flirting or big debates somewhere where communities actually can congregate um, and again because the pressure is actually on campus I think we actually fill that gap within the university community and has led to has, has contributed to the success of the building because we're kind of giving that social glue um, to the because a lot of our students are very very busy people they have other commitments outside of outside of their studies I mean the way that in the past maybe students didn't in terms of family work and so on um, our academic staff are very very busy and so on so they want all this in, in one central location that's friendly neutral and welcoming and the new library building is certainly that to be honest we're almost overwhelmed by the demand for this and there is a question amongst ourselves it's almost too successful because one thing we could be accused of is, well, is this really the library's problem to solve? Um, now, I think we certainly addressed it, and certainly it's been used in that way, and I certainly think it's a good thing for us to do, um, but it does cause um, pressures on our services and our spaces in a way that maybe if we'd stuck to our traditional um, roles, um, they, these wouldn't have arisen. Just to finish up, I guess, two things, two more slides I want to talk about. The first is ongoing transformation. I have to say, when I was put out this slide, I couldn't help but think of that operation transformation program, you know, you know, well, people lose the weight, but then they keep it off, well, we transformed once, but we'll be keeping transformed, and that is a challenge, certainly, for us to sustain the impact, because it does behove us to do so, and I suppose the best I can say at this stage, because it's still relatively early, is we're certainly doing our best to, to do that, and we're, um, and we're driven to do so, because academic life is actually very cyclical, so our initial um, response, for example, that LibCall survey saw was not wholly unexpected, because essentially the students who knew the old library were now experiencing the new one but of course in three years time and uh, starting this year actually the students coming this year would never have known the old library so we get no brownie points for how wonderful the new library is and how exciting it is it is just the library so we have to keep innovating and keep saying to them yes your feedback matters yes we want to have a library that delivers what you need and that will change um, we do this in all sorts of way we um, have a major um, UX project we're very fortunate we're the only department of anthropology in the country in Maynooth and uh, we work with our master's students to do the um, user experience ev ev evaluation and we have very interesting report on that we have just run LibQual and we're just analysing results at the moment and I can tell you that the, you know, the impact of the building has lowered a little bit and we have to look at that and look at now what, what are the next challenges for us. Um, we had an innovation competition earlier this year and we're very grateful Sandra helped us out with us. We were asking students how would you do libraries if you want to do it and we got some wonderful ideas around sleep pods, 
garden areas and so on and again we're going to look at those now into the future and we're going to rerun that competition this year again and next year we're going to do quite a formal uh, process which is an IFLA post-occupancy analysis which really where you look at the building and say okay this was the vision this is how we thought student would use it and what, what they what they how we thought they would enjoy it let's see if that's actually washing through and if it isn't why not and let's change it again so it really is a continuous circle um, and because of our success as well we also have some new challenges in role so I mentioned earlier we're now the uh, venue for orientation in the university it's not our natural fit but it's seen as a positive uh, face for the, for the university for new students and just this summer the math support centre has been moved into the library uh, again putting pressure on space and so on but again making a contribution to the overall university mission and we do still have further works continue if you're familiar with the project um, the old building the upper two floors uh, on the western side weren't touched as part of this project and we need to refurbish those both to tie them into the to the to the new building but also to um, address some of the issues that we've learned about from living with the building and, 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 and filling some gaps we currently don't have. Just to finish, um, I hope I've demonstrated that indeed the library building was transformative in, on, on, on multiple levels. Um, I have to say um, the inclusive team approach was a key success factor. Each member of the team brought something to it but also helped us to avoid some missteps that otherwise we might have um, stumbled into. Um, I've mentioned how success brings its own challenges and you get more attention and that's very positive in the, in the main but it also leads to um, some additional roles and so on that you might not have anticipated and of course you're never finished I talked about the cyclical nature of academic life and the fact that the students want um, want you to do more and more all the time and that's that's their right um, but I have to say as a personal level it was a wonderful opportunity the welcome I got from librarians across the world I never knew um, before and simply phoned, you have a wonderful library, can I come and see it? I was never rejected, I was always accepted and brought in. Um, and it is a, a really exciting opportunity to go back to where I started, that colleague who said, what you know about libraries? I knew, uh, our library buildings, I knew about libraries and bringing that and making that contribution to development libraries was really, really pleasing. Um, but I would say as well that you're already the new boy for so long. Um, we're delighted that RCSI has just uh, opened, and I haven't been there yet, but I believe it's uh, fantastic. Early in the new year, the University of Limerick's new library will open, and um, in a couple of years, DIT will have their new library in Grange Gorman. And of course, the NLI has its own very exciting project, which will uh, start, I believe, in the next month or two, Sandra, and that looks, uh, we're all delighted with that news as well. And of course, the public libraries are very uh, active in this space. We're all aware, probably, of the wonderful lexicon out, out in, out uh, South Dublin, um, but also Tullamore, Moat, and of course we're all looking forward to Margaret Hayes' very exciting City Library project up in Parnell Square, and um, certainly the, the vision for that is compelling and exciting. So I think um, to finish, I mean, it's a reminder if you're in any doubt that libraries do matter now more than ever, and um, this revival of library spaces taking place is heartening, and, and we should certainly um, all uh, cherish it. Um, so thank you very much for your kind attention. I'm very happy to take any questions you might have now. And Garvin Lavagulair.